it's uh, not always about just work and money, right? So why are you living in the end? Like those uh, fundamental questions. So of course, a company by nature uh, needs growth, needs profit to keep paying the employees. This is the nature of a business. And the question I want to be in a position to ask myself, how do we minimize the situation we are at where we are discovering by surprise one morning, waking up like, oh, we don't have anything to pay the people. Welcome back, everybody, to Building Better Games. It's hard to imagine a more scary scenario for a leader than one that involves layoffs. While having its roots in a business decision, the impact of layoffs is devastating for those involved and affects the real lives of real people. It can often feel like a doomsday scenario. It's so easy to get caught up in discussing leadership in the abstract, forgetting that real people get caught up in these decisions. And there is a way to show up as a leader and honor building better games in a completely different way by doing the right thing. Today, we're super fortunate to have Sophie Vo join us. Sophie is a veteran leader and investor in the games industry, creating a new human-centric approach to teams and games along the way. She calls this approach conscious leadership. Sophie also hosts the Rise and Play podcast, focused on industry leaders who stand out in their approach. Sophie and her team recently went through a difficult scenario just like this, and she handled it in a way that we're excited to talk to her more about. Hey, y'all. This is part two of our interview with Sophie Vo. To recap part one, Sophie told us her story about being told by her manager that she had to lay off a number of people from her team after some time spent understanding how she felt, who she wanted to be, and what it meant to lead in this difficult situation. She decided to be one of the people to leave, and her leads followed her example. This allowed her team members who most needed the job to stay. In part two, we're going to discuss her decision from different angles, explore topics like severance, and provide some advice for leaders in game dev who may be facing layoffs themselves. Let's get into it. Is there anything else you wanted to say about that situation before I do kind of ask some pointed questions? There's a million ways to view anything, so I want to attack it from some of those angles. Um, not that I could think of uh, at the moment. I think we have covered quite a lot of it. And I do want to actually... Uh, play the part, you know, of uh, always thinking, you know, from the other side. It's like something I'm very thoughtful about because, of course, my experience is my experience and it doesn't make it wrong or better than others, but it's true because it's mine. But I know that there are other experiences and it's good to understand those for the ones on the other end. Great. Yeah. So let's go. Let's go directly in, in yeah, the topic. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, so the, the first one and again, this is very much a devil's advocate because I, I really like what you did and how you approached it, how you thought about it. I'll call it the like, yeah, but we're here to help the business angle. And like, it's something in the space of had you chosen to stay, would that have been courageous? Because I'm guessing you actually had thoughts like this. Mm-hmm. I did. Huh? Um, and you, you, you considered this a lot. There's an argument you could make that like, hey, if you stayed, you could help the business, you could help the people that stayed, you believe in your own leadership ability, like there's something positive that could drive forward from this, maybe from the ashes, you know, the phoenix could be born or whatever, and you could lead that. And so if I made an argument for that, what comes up for you? 
And you're right. I did think a lot about it. Like I said, I was running uh, scenarios and like in a few hours I had to really understand if that would be even uh, one I would be okay with. So the, the thing is, I have made in the past also hard decision to part ways with people in the team. And I try to do it as a much a transparent, uh, loving kind way possible. And I understand a lot the business reality, you know, when sometimes, I don't know, the growth is, uh, the projection are not happening as planned. You scale the team and I was really cautious to not overscale the team. So that was also another point to not have to then downsize drastically. You know, having an eye on your finances and cash flow to not uh, end up in this situation. So I was thinking like, for why, how did we get here? And when I realized that for conversation I've had, what did I miss to be able to be in this situation where I would say, okay, we have a plan where it's going to be difficult in the next month and we already need to anticipate for this, for, uh, you know, for the time, for, for what. And I was included in those conversation through a time period. I would have first been ready psychologically to incorporate this decision, communicate, uh, and as well, you know, let the time for people to process the news. So I know that I'm capable of, of course, making those decisions, but I need the time and I need to be able to do it my way. And my way would have been, I share the context. I uh, give some time, some options for people, and I have a way to think about it, what would be better long-term. But here, the conditions None of them were met here. I was not included in this conversation earlier. I thought financially the company was okay. And I actually understood that it was, but it was anticipating for something really bad. So it was very radical in how we cut for future problems that didn't arrive yet, right? So I, I, I was not even aligned or I didn't really agree with the decision because I, I missed transparency of how it was decided. And... um the other thing was I asked myself to make those hard decisions. What is important for me and why would I do it? So what is more important for me? Is it so important for me to have my studio at all costs? And then I would have to make the hard cut here now to downsize the team radically. But at least I would keep my dream of being a studio lead and having my team and doing the game of my dream if that was the dream. And then I realized it's not a dream I pursue. I don't really care about it. So it's not the only answer for me first, if I even if I wanted to, to do this. But in the end, it's like the thing that made me the most fulfilled the past years was the people I work with and how I worked with. And here I understand what I was promised. If I decide to stay was you will work under stretch goals and you you will have to stay under condition, right? So I don't even decide of how I work and who I work with because I had to let go of the team. So all the things I enjoy that made my why every day, it's not even there anymore. So I didn't have strong reasons to do those things. But I could imagine if I'm in an organization where I'm so, uh, or in my own business, where I'm so committed and this is like the core of what we need to do to continue to exist, I would do it in the most truthful way with my principles and values. And I would do it because uh, my why is strong. My motivation is strong. But here it wasn't to dismiss people. My why was stronger to, okay, this is not the way I wanted to work. And since this principle is broken, 
like lack of transparency, time, you know, just thinking long term, everything was very short term. Then this is the most important thing, like that I stay true to my value, because who am I if I start to break uh, this promise to myself? Then I have to redo the whole work. It's like, okay, but Sophie, I thought I was the past five years is no more. And then I will be lost trying to find my, you know, my place in this world or in the work. So I thought I, I com I'm compromising something that is much more important than being still the studio lead and making a, a business grow, which was not that important in this pyramid of priorities. I love that. I hope it answers the question. Yeah, well, and I think it also gives insight into what a better version of this could have looked like where you would have stayed. Again, the lack of trust, the way it was handled, there were things where it became clear that you were significantly out of alignment, sounds like, with the company. There's, I think, a bad idea that can seep into our lives, and it seeped into my life at times, that the pragmatic thing and the right thing are the same thing in most cases. And, and so when I look at a situation, what I should do is whatever the most pragmatic thing is. And I think that's false. And I think instead, the right thing should be based on values and principles and in some sense, appealing to those as almost more foundational than ourselves, right? The idea of, um, I don't want to live in a world where people can be fired in a couple of days because somebody somewhere got scared that something bad might happen in the future. Mm -hmm. That's not the world I want to see. And so even though that might be pragmatic for me to go along with that right now, the thing that's more important is for me to attempt to, to create the world that I think would be better. And that's through an understanding of values and principles that we talked about. And, and I'm not saying pragmatism is bad because there's a million amoral situations where it's like, hey, what's the most practical thing to do? And that's fine. But there's this idea of like, what is the right thing? And asking that as a moral question, not just a practical one and making sure that that's a lens that you can view the world through. And that's, I think, what you, were, what you did. I really appreciate that. There's this getting into sparring a little bit here that it's funny i hear you ask that question ben which is like well let's look at it from a different angle and like because i i can imagine again all the throngs of leaders that i've worked with in my career saying like well you're the leader like you needed to stay there's more you could have done like what else could you have done and um there's an immature version of me as a leader of aaron who goes like yeah try harder like the response is always try harder or like there's still more you can do, or there's something else you could have done. And interestingly, there's a more mature part of me that says, accept the decisions that have already been made, accept the reality of the universe as it exists right now, and be willing to let go. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a part of your story too, which is really interesting to me, because I've, I struggled with this in my career a lot, like letting go. I've never left a team even if I knew it was the right thing, like up here, I've never left a team where I didn't feel like I failed ever my whole career. And the reason why is because I, I'm like, I, you abandoned those people. There was something else you could have done. There was more you could have done. And, and it's interesting. I think there's a maturity there to being able to look at an environment and say, within these constraints, within this reality, there's nothing more I can do, actually. And the best thing I can do is step away right now. And you did that. And I think that I see a lot of leaders struggle with that, actually. And weirdly, I think 
you often make things worse by being unable to let go. Like you can easily make things worse by being unable to let go. And yeah. and it's funny because like this is one of those weird pieces of advice we give to leaders in game development. Is like we often see that leaders being unwilling to let go is a source of a lot of problems inside of companies. So like that's a big takeaway for me too from this is like it can actually be and it often is actually a very mature leadership response to say, no, I'm going to let go. Yeah. I wanted to uh, mention like about uh, this thought, which is not common, like you abandon the ship. I thought about this and I thought it is not a popular story, right? I, 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 mm -hmm. uh, but I think here, uh, back to uh, what you just uh, said, Aaron, about when you do things that actually were not fully aligned with what you really wanted to do, then whatever you do after, you know, it's like, People can feel this, this, it's not really you, you know, it's like you. So something that uh, I wanted to share the story here when, like how hard decisions can be turned in a way that still have, have trust and people uh, can support you. After I decided that I would leave and the leads would lead, we delivered the whole news to the team. Everything happened on Thursday, the rest of the team. And I took responsibility to share the whole context and how I came to this decision. The team, I didn't have any say. I didn't say, okay, you still have a chance to leave first and so on. It's like, that's what we decided. We have a uh, little time. So it was, yeah. in a sense, a top-down decision. But the team trusted me for the best interest of everyone and also overlapping with the interest of the company. Mm -hmm. And so when I shared this, I'm not saying everybody supported, everybody had to process it. But a few months uh, later, something I forgot to mention, so... I, I promoted someone internally who was uh, my senior game uh, designer. As uh, I knew, I knew he wanted to grow as a game lead one day, and I said, "This is your opportunity." I know it's not how you wanted it to be, but you have a great environment here with the studio, what we've built, because we have still autonomy and the great people. And I'm asking you, please, to take this responsibility and show your leadership here to take the leadership of the studio. So I also named someone to take over the leadership of the studio when I would leave. And that was a reassuring point for the management, but also for the team. And uh, unfortunately, what happened, I think it was a week after, when I delivered the news in front of me, they say, fine, okay, all good. And then they started to be a bit suspicious, skeptical, trying to poke and interview everyone in the team. Like, how do you feel motivated to continue to work? And everybody was down a week after, of course, after we just split like a team that really liked to work with each other. Mm. And they concluded this team is done. They are not motiv very motivated. So we just fire them all. So the whole studio was fired. So despite my effort to try to secure the team, in the end, everyone uh, was uh, offered to uh, go. So that's also the other part of the story. But the thing is, It doesn't change the decision how I approach it because once everyone was uh, let go, so they had a bit more time, they had at least a week to process and not a few days, right? So it was better than nothing. And that I didn't expect that they would actually fire the rest of the studio. Then the people came to me and say, we want to keep working with you, Sophie, because what you've done here is not the decision, but how you communicate the decision, mm -hmm. how you stay true to your principle. You were consistent until the end, and that's what we want to follow. And I think this is a sign as well where you may not make popular decisions sometimes, hard one, and someone externally 
listening to this today say, okay, Sophie jumped the ship, abandoned the ship. But what is most important is the people who are part of the story and they were willing to continue and wanted to continue uh, to build another studio with me and work together. Okay. My other take on this, and I'm sure you probably pondered so many, was sort of a giant, you know, 30,000 foot view to the effect of, hey, look, it's business. Layoffs are a part of business. It's like life is tough. And yet we still need to, we need to go forward. We need to figure out how to, you know, ship the things and do like, this is just a part of life. We're in, we're in game dev, you know, this is the way it is. People get fired, layoffs happen. And so it's not necessarily like you're abandoning the ship, but it's more like, come on, can't you like kind of get with the program and stop being such an idealist? <laughs> or, I don't know, something like that. Like there's a practical, there's a practical reality here, right? Money, money matters. We can't just pay people indefinitely without having income. And so I don't know, it's something, it's a view that I think would look at this and say, well, that's a very nice thing you did, but come on, you know, almost grow up, right? I'm curious if you thought through that angle and what comes to mind when you hear that. Well, it's, uh, and this is where, why I talk about uh, conscious leadership or maybe like more being whole, you know, it's uh, not always about just work and money, right? So why are you living in the end? Like those uh, fundamental questions. So of course, a company by nature needs growth, needs profit to keep paying the employees and satisfying the investors when you have uh, some, you know, and you can even question like, is, is this necessary to have investor all the time? But uh, that I, this is the nature of a business. And the question I asked myself, why I want to be in a position to ask myself, like, how do we minimize the situation we are at where we are discovering by surprise one morning, waking up like, oh, we don't have anything to pay the people. That's what I would try to think of every day until it happens, right? Because, again, thinking about the why of why you build a company, why you d decide to put your time and energy joining an organization, well, it's for me personally, a lot about the people who I work with, how we work with them. And uh, the, imp the last impression I left uh, on them when we parted ways, no matter how we parted. And I think, you know, uh, so when you ask me a question of business, but I will uh, diverge actually in intentionally to uh, life and mortality, it's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen to these people after, you know, they were dismissed, fired, or uh, one day I give a very negative feedback and I couldn't control myself and say something very, very, uh, you know, mean or insulting that would stay with them for the rest of their life. And, you know, you, you never know the consequences of what you do. So I'm very thoughtful about those things. And that's why sometimes I ask myself, is this really necessary, right? Is this really necessary uh, when we have to uh, fire people or if we fire them, what is the thing that will be really the negative impact for them? And I think about this question and what is it? Well, first, it's the emotional rejection. Nobody likes to be let go. Like you were the wrong one, you know? It's like, I don't know, dating, you know? And then if people uh, leave a company, especially young in career, with a thought or belief that they were not good enough, it is going to stay with them. So mm. I would try to fix this as I decide still to dismiss them. It's not like it was not about you. 
I made mistake. I uh, didn't manage well the finances of this company and I have to take responsibility and you have to pay, unfortunately, for the consequences of my mismanagement. But I would recognize where is my responsibility here. It wouldn't, of course, uh, change the decision, but at least I would acknowledge to the person that they are not the cause, although they would suffer from those consequences. And how can I compensate you? Is it financially? But most of the time, you know, uh, when I think about uh, money and uh, what's behind severance package, and we see that also a lot in uh, lawsuits, it's um, emotional damage. People get upset and angry when they were hurt. And (laughs) sometimes I'm not saying that's a trick to pay less, but sometimes people need more support and empathy and recognition than they need money. This is, this was to this point, like, this is not going to let, make me feel better to say yes to money. It's a shortcut, you know, it's like, this is where it comes back to business. We need to grow the business. You cost too much. So we solve this by money. It's like, no, this is not about money. Right. It's like, I, I put a lot of my energy into this. I just want to be recognized and thanked for, for this, you know, simple things. I think there's a, as you were talking, almost like a severance package being used to alleviate the company's guilt over what they have to do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying you shouldn't give a severance package, in, but I'm just saying, yeah. Another thing, too, that the other side of that, which is like, I mean, I'm thinking of a personal experience here, actually, as you talk about this. And I'm like reflecting on my own emotional state as I was going through that. And I did feel there was a good feeling associated with the severance package, actually. And it wasn't, oh, wow, this makes it all better because it did make it all better. It didn't make any of it better, but it did, it did feel like I stuck it to you a little bit out the door. <laughs> like, I got, I got, like I got something out of you, like you were forced to acknowledge. It was like almost like you were forced to acknowledge that you did something wrong. But I, I didn't think of it in those terms when it was happening. I just, I, but now as you say this and I reflect back on it, I go, yeah, it didn't really solve anything, actually. It didn't really change the way I felt about ending that relationship, you know? And it's, that's a really good point, I think. It's a very powerful point that, like, that's the irony, I think, of the, like, well, this is all business. It's like, no, it's not. Like, or, or it will actually, you can, depending on how you look at it, it's either, no, it's not, or... Of course, it all is, including the emotions and including the people, right? Like the idea that you can somehow do business without incorporating the people equation into that is a ridiculous idea. Hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe that's another thing that the severance package does is it makes the person leaving more amenable to what's happening. Hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't do severance packages uh, or that they're just pure emotional manipulation. I think there's times where it's the right thing to do. In fact, in almost all cases. Severance packages can be used to strategically remove the physical pain. But I think the lesson here is address the emotional pain as well. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. Sit, sit the person down. And, and it's, it's funny. It's like another thing I can think of is like there are a lot of situations actually where I think a leader recognizes that they need to let someone go. And actually, typically, this is a situation where a leader needs to let another leader go. And it's like, this is one of the things I wanted to touch on in this conversation. Those are often complicated because when you have a great engineer that builds great code or a great artist that makes great art and they have a good attitude, more or less, you're probably in the safe zone, right? And like, you can fire people for performance concerns. You can, but like, there's more often than not, 
I see that there's more complexity in a leader, a decision to let go of a leader because a leader could actually be highly competent in their role and have a pretty good attitude, but maybe just not the right fit mm-hmm. for this very specific problem that you're trying to solve. So, and I think a lot of leaders struggle with that because it's outside of this very basic, like you perform well, you stay, you perform poorly, you leave. Like, <laughs> and um, I think actually, I think severance packages are a very useful tool there. And you mentioned this too, Sophie, to, for the senior leader to turn around and be like, hey, this isn't working out and here's why. And part of this is that you're not the right person for this role. Part of this is that we didn't know that. We should have known that. And we owed it to you to know that. Part of this is that we owe it to you to coach you. We owe it to you to help you grow. And we actually don't have the resources to provide that. We owe that to you. So like this actually is like, we're going to try to make you whole financially But the right thing for the company also at the same time is to part ways, right? Yeah. I think a lot of leaders don't think about these types of situations. And I think if they were open to those types of situations, you would actually have many more possible good outcomes. As opposed to like, usually what I see leaders do is they either ruthlessly fire somebody and try to find an excuse Mm -hmm. to let them go. Or do they, they do the other side, which is much to the detriment of the entire team. I'm going to coach this person for the next year, knowing from the beginning that they were never going to work out. And so it's so interesting to think about things in those terms. It's like you, there are many more options than you think are available. And one of the ways that you can open up a lot of those doors is just to sit down and have an honest, authentic human conversation with people, you know? Mm-hmm. I was thinking just like a conversation also with uh, some of my team in alignment. I think, yeah, if you have this regular conversation, we're honest about alignment and it, is, it doesn't feel personal, right? Because I think where it's um, where it goes in um, a bit of shady situation, it's like when you try to turn the situation to justify it, or suddenly you are not performing well. It's like, <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, and so you, you try to justify it and where instead of taking responsibility, well, I actually, I'll take this as well for on my side as a practice, uh, recognizing there's not alignment. And when you recognize it, have a conversation. And I have have it once in a while when uh, with the leaders, I, I try to grow in uh, my team. And I, I had the intuition, the sense they were not aligned for, on some occasion, things they said. And I confronted them. It's like, look, it, it doesn't feel like you are aligned or you want to do this. Is that the case? And let's discuss it. And either it was yeah. a conversation that's, allow them to make a decision to commit fully or to say, actually, you're right. Most of the time I had people I actually didn't need to fire. They decided to live on their own because they said, thank you for helping me think of this. And then I realized that Mm -hmm. my heart is not there anymore. It's like, great. Well, at least I want you to be uh, fulfilled in a place. It's not here. Then we will manage to find someone and I will help you find another place if I can, you know, and this is also another point. The worry when people are let go, like, I'm not going to find uh, another job because some are not always in the situation of having a network. Uh, and how can you help as well as an organization? You know, it's like, I think of the employee life cycle and it's not just from the moment you stop paying. Yeah. <laughs> it continues after they leave and how they talk about yeah. the organization, your team working with you. Yep. Yep. Ben had a very salient example of like, a more mature thinking around this. I'm like feeling frustration as we're talking about this because all these memories mm-hmm. are popping up of all these really bad situations. Like one of the classic ones is where 
I see that there is a decision that leadership has already made about somebody that they shouldn't be there. And it's interesting because at the beginning, when that decision is first made, and it's a very emotional decision in the beginning, it could be for very benign reasons. It could be just like this person's not a culture fit or like one of the things Riot did was like the, the uh, Q dodge that I thought was really cool where like if within the first six months or whatever, you were like, ah, actually, this isn't the company for me. You could leave with severance and like no questions asked. Mm -hmm. Everything was good. High five. Thanks for trying. You know, it was a very kind of, it was almost like celebrated as a good thing. But it's funny, like Ben and I talk a lot about like, you will find what you are looking for as a leader. Like if you decide that somebody's not a fit for your team, and but you don't act on that, like you don't sit down with that person, you don't engage them in an open conversation, you don't consider all your options. What you essentially do is you're like, well, I'm just going to fold my arms and wait and keep looking at them with like squint to my <laughs> eyes and look at them. And eventually they're going to do something bad enough for me to justify firing them. Mm. That is so horrible. I hate that. And I, I've seen that many times where it's like, you can just tell by the way some of these leaders are talking about this person that they're just waiting. Mm. They're just waiting until they get the enough, enough evidence, ammunition. enough ammunition. And it's like, I think like these are the kinds of things we do when we're not really standing in principle when we're like just waiting for the universe to help make the decision for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I, that really bugs me. And, and that felt relevant. And, you know, Ben's story, just to tease it a little bit, was the opposite where Ben said, Ben came into a team and saw that 100% of the leaders had a problem with this one senior contributor. Person. And it, Ben didn't even have time to really analyze it. Ben said, we need to help find this person, take care of this person, help them find another role that they're happy in because you've already, all of you have already decided that this person's on the way out. And in 90 days, I promise you, they're going to be fired. If we don't act now, they're going to be fired. And it's because, again, you've all made a mental decision, but you've chosen not to take action. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. and it's a hard decision to make, but like that person did get moved and they did find another role. And like, I think that's a great outcome. You know what I mean? Instead of just sitting there and waiting, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. like, ah. I know that yeah. was long-winded, but like I, now as we're talking about this, I, like all these examples are popping up. We do these things all the time. <laughs> what, something that, that came up for me when you were talking too about the alignment. So when I've been kicked off of a game team, um, one of the things that was so frustrating about it was that I, I knew things were tough and there were reasons and there was like leaders and all these things and conflicts of values and how we approach it. The thing that that was so hard for me after when I looked back at it was this idea I had, which is like, it didn't have to go down this way. You could have talked to me. Hmm. If you had been willing to talk to me about what was happening coming into this. And I think sometimes people assume, you know, they assume like, oh, well, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Ben understood. I'm sure, you know, it's all clear, right? And all these things. But actually I'd expressed to multiple people like, look, hey, I'm recognizing that and maybe I'm not a fit here and I'm willing to accept that and move, move away, like to leave. Mm -hmm. But just like, let me know if that's where you feel like you're at, because I'm really trying to help. I want to help. I'm trying to add value. And I recognize that there are conflicts here in style and things like that. And I'm trying to honor my, my values, right. As I navigate this and the problems that I've seen so often is that it's not necessarily to your point that someone's just so stubborn 
and just is like doing a terrible job and and whatnot. When you have those misalignments, it's that it's that they're not even talked to. They're just suddenly they're pulled into a room, you know, and then there's an HR person sitting there next to their manager and they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And it's a it's a we, horrible like, feeling. Uh, Riot, we even knew which room it was. Yeah, we knew which room it was. It was now it was like a dark little like yeah. portal that room like you'd feel a little uncomfortable every time room. you walked <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't book that room by the way not, yeah. not to say riot just like popped firings on no, people no, no, i was right? more I just mean, saying yeah. like i think that it just the psychological impact right mm. when you know yeah. when you literally even know the location where it happens it's there's feelings yeah. you know it's pretty it's yeah. predictable before you know that it's actually it's going to happen right and it's it's never pleasant this way yeah. Yeah. So another sparring question is, you know, we talked about the, well, should you have stayed, you know, don't, don't abandon the ship. We've talked about what, just grow up and like, it's part of business, but what's, what about the angle where it says like, you could have fought, you know, you could have told your manager, I don't accept this. Right. And even if you've made this decision and the CEO has made this decision or whoever, like, I don't accept this. I want to prove that we can do it, that we can add value, and that I can, that, you know, my team is actually amazing. Um, and uh, I'm just curious, I don't know, I don't know if that thought crossed your mind again, I'm sure it did. Like, no, just like, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try anyway, and I'm not going to give you your names, and you're going to have to fire us all or something like that. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind there when I bring that up? So, uh, it's a good last question because it's the one I ask myself about uh, once in a while. Like I, I could have said something. I could have just uh, written. I even thought I, I will write to the CEO. I don't care if I don't have an answer, but at least I would have expressed. And again, I went back as well to priorities. How do I want to spend my energy, and how do I care? As I, I was actually disengaged really at uh, at that time. I could have tried. But uh, I think it came back to the question, like, do I believe that my feedback or whatever I'll, I'll say or try will land somewhere? And I, I think I did it over the past years. And there's been some consistency where whatever I could talk uh, about teams, people, no one was interested internally. So I was convinced at that point, mm. I it's like uh, talking to a wall, right? There, there won't be answers. Like it's not interesting. So I, I thought at the time I will focus my energy really on talking to the team more. I was talking a lot to the team, to people in the team, potential, you know, partners that we could uh, work with, with the rest of the team. That's where I put my energy. So already moving on, that's the call I made. Yeah. But I have tried in a previous organization, and I had directly talks with CEOs when. I could see someone wants my feedback. It may not be something pleasant and I would try to deliver it in the most constructive way. And I would do it actually. But yeah, in, so I don't think it would. It's some, I could have done it, but I, it's not something I wanted to do, it's, which is a very different uh, thing. Like I, I can, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, there's something that came to mind for me there, which is like some, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's, if you get too locked into whether you're right or they're right, or how can I make sure everybody knows I'm right, mm. your life will be one without peace. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, might be how I'd say it. And to uh, to that, actually, it's uh, I wanted to say like something that helped me really as a tool as a leader is to have uh, confidence in myself 
on who I am. So nobody can question how I make decisions and my values because they are mine. They are true, right? So the decision I made, I didn't need any validation of anyone, not even my team actually to make it. And that was the most important thing. I, I needed agreement with myself. And I think that's the thing. I, I think in the tough moments, as a leader, look into uh, yourself and uh, do you feel good about whatever you do? Does it uh, feel uh, right to you, you know? I love this because I, I've thought as you've been talking, you found a way to honor, to honor the company you were working for, to honor the people you were leading, and to honor yourself and what you believed um, to be to be true and real. And I think that's admirable. Um, and and again, I think regardless of what happened to, at the company that you're no longer at. I think that was very meaningful. And I think that, you, yeah, like you said, your team has talked to you about why that was meaningful to them. Um, and man, that what a reward that is, at least, even if it didn't work out there. So the last thing I want to hit, layoffs happen. Money runs short, burn rates get high. And we've alluded to it a little bit throughout the conversation. Uh, some of like, well, maybe this should have been better and that should have been better. But I just want to really quickly say, okay, you're a studio lead and you realize the money's running out and you realize that you do have to let some people uh, go. You need to fire some people. How do you approach that in a way that does honor your values and still handles the difficulty of that? First, although it's not like before it happens, get a person uh, owning for finances. I think uh, nobody talks about finance people, but they are really, really important. So yeah, like I said, it doesn't come as a surprise. What you need is time. You need visibility. So you need uh, like, okay, you have six months, 12 months, and not like you have a month, right? So having someone owning the finances and understanding the cash flow, uh, I think that's the first requirement. If you don't have this, then you're in trouble because or someone should do it and uh, uh, having uh, education for it. Um, and when you find your situ yourself in the situation that you see, okay, in six months, if we continue with uh, this uh, uh, monthly burn rate, yes, we will go bankrupt. So then you have six months to react and you know you have to downsize because usually it comes down to people the most expensive uh, uh, part. I think I would um, first think of what is the strategy of dismissing? So is it like a numbers, an equation to solve? Like we need to save that amount of money and we're, and it means roughly X number of people. So not looking at names, but looking at, uh, in that case, a spreadsheet. One that uh, I'm not saying is the best, but at least it's a little better to take by default all the people who join at l last. So we need to reduce that count by, I don't know, 10 people then let's take the 10 people who joined last. They were maybe performers, super helpful, strategic key roles, but we just need to take, uh, uh, you know, down if you have like a large company enough, for example, uh, and they are not like key, key, key uh, skills that you need. Then what are the benefits of this approach is that there's a reasoning, we need to reduce cost, then you have kind of a role, you know, to address it, and then no one, takes it personally, except the fact that they just joined last, but then they join us when in a situation that is a bit sensible for the company. And so for the ones who stay, they were loyal, they were there in the, for longer. So they, they, they appreciate as well that, uh, you know, the communication visibility around it and the one who, uh, were let go. It's not because of their performance. Even if that was true or there was some case, you know, then you don't have to, 
make it that story for the people who have to continue, right? What you say uh, will have a lot of impact for people who have to continue out of your company and you, you still control what's going on in your organization. So I would think if that's a possibility that way, you know, like rule, like the ones who joined last. And again, like giving the time and proper plan. So yeah, maybe it may cost more money for longer. That's why having time and visibility on your finances so you can afford to have conversations, sit down with people, have a proper exit interview, uh, prepare them to exit, right? And not in a few days, but a month or I don't know, like several months. What is the compensation as well with the money? So to help them logistically to move on and get on a new role. That's what I would try to do in the most... Uh, you know, human way possible, because that's the reality of business. And that's not the fault of people. They don't have to pay the consequences for this. And there's a way to, like a principle, I like to think of principle because it's uh, easier when you have to make a think of actions. Try to treat people in a way that they would uh, feel encouraged and confident to find a new job. And uh, whatever you do for this to make it happen, then do it. It can be done in multiple ways, but I think that's the goal you want to achieve. Cool. I love that. I love that. Well, this has been really interesting for me to hear. It's been very thought-provoking. And one of the things that's in my head is I always wonder when I hear something like this, like, what would I have done? And I don't know. And it's one of those things where you don't know until you're there. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of try to think of scenarios. I'm like, well, what would I like to have done? What, like... Because if I know what I would like to have done, then maybe if I do someday end up in that situation, I'll be able to make the right call or a call I'm, I'm comfortable and happy with, whatever that means. And I can say that from what you've described, I think I would use you as an example of what the right thing for me to do in a situation like this, the right way for me to think about it, the right way for me to approach it. I think you've, you've set a really good example for me there. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ben. I, and I also... Uh... Well, it was a great conversation and very reflective as well for me. I really like the depth of our conversation today. Uh, I learned a lot as well for uh, your own as well experience. All right, that concludes part two of our interview with Sophie Vo. Some quick things we want you to take away from this. Number one, know what your values and principles are as a leader. They'll help guide you if you get into tough situations. Number two, Think through some of the unfortunately common scenarios you may end up in in your career. Choose how you want to act. It will make it easier if and when it happens. Number three, if you're a startup and you want to avoid needing to lay people off, prioritize having someone watching the finances early on. It's important and may give you the time you need to avoid layoffs or at least improve the situation of the people that are being fired. Number four, have a system in place that will help people understand how you will conduct layoffs if you must do so. This will help people realize it's about the financial situation of the company, not their personal inadequacy. Number five, as best you can, be aware of the people who are being fired and think about how you can make layoffs a not as bad experience for them. This isn't just severance. Think about their emotional and career well-being as well. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed this, we'd ask you to rate and review. Uh, feel free to share this with somebody who you think might be helped by it. And uh, that's it for this episode. Looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye-bye.